0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Insurance Uncovered. I'm your podcast host, Kathy Imus. For three years now, the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies has brought you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. NAMIC is grateful for your continued support, and we hope you'll be back when we kick off Season 4 in January. But for now, let's get on with our final podcast of this year. Today, we're uncovering COVID-19 in 21. How insurers can prepare and manage the continuing pandemic challenge as we head into a new year. Plus, workplace stress. Author Don DiCarlo discusses his latest book on mental stress claims in workers' compensation. But first, with the deadline to avoid a government shutdown just days away, Congress will vote this week to give itself a bit more time. Lawmakers from both chambers are reportedly planning to pass a one-week extension as they continue negotiating a broader agreement on federal spending. House and Senate leadership also continues to work toward another round of COVID-19 relief. A group of bipartisan senators has unveiled a framework for a $900 billion legislative package, and leaders in both chambers are emphasizing the need to pass a bill before adjourning for the holidays. Without question, the challenges that COVID-19 has brought to state legislative, regulatory, and litigation environments have rippled through nearly every facet of the property casualty insurance industry. NAMIC government affairs and compliance experts will host a discussion on state-level COVID activity in 2020, along with a look ahead to what is expected in these areas in 2021. NAMIC's Assistant Vice President of Corporate Affairs and Associate General Counsel Jeff Baker says this cross-disciplinary webinar will help members to prepare now to manage the continuing COVID-19 challenge as we head into a new year.
1: In a year with record-setting natural disasters, nationwide civil unrest at a level unseen in several decades, and a historically divisive presidential election, any of which alone would dominate news headlines, all were eclipsed by the severe and unrelenting global coronavirus pandemic. Insurers from the smallest county mutuals to the largest multinational conglomerates were affected in varying degrees by governmentally mandated business lockdowns, stay-at-home orders, employees working remotely, and a flood of COVID-19 regulatory, legislative, and litigation activity. So, myself and NAMIC's government affairs experts will review the state-level COVID-19 activity from this year and provide a look ahead to what is expected in these spaces in 2021. As the NEIC, legislatures, regulators, and the courts continue to examine the effects of the pandemic on insurers' solvency, operations, policy forms, underwriting practices, treatment of policyholders, compliance procedures, and claims activities, carriers will continue to deal with various pandemic headwinds, despite the promising news of soon-to-be-distributed vaccines. We want NAMIC members prepared with this information now to manage the continuing COVID-19 challenge as we head into a new year.
0: The webinar will be held next Wednesday, December 16th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. You can register by navigating to the webinars tab in the NAMIC COVID-19 Resource Center on NAMIC.org.
1: Insurance should not be a commodity and neither should the outsourcers that support the business. At CXIS, we bring a different design to outsourcing with a fresh approach that blends specialist class of business expertise with efficient U.S.-based operations support. We've built our teams from the ground up with property and casualty people who have lived not just insurance, but also the U.S. sectors to which it contextually applies. CXIS, a different approach to PNC.
0: A new issue analysis paper by NAMIC explores workers' compensation presumptions and the impact of various mechanisms being considered by state public policymakers to respond to the perilous aspects inflicted on the U.S. workforce by COVID-19. While the work of first responders and others is worthy of significant praise, the extent of the presumption activity has been widespread and aggressive in response. The paper looks at the ramifications of why such activity, including the effects of retroactivity and other constitutional infringements, cost-shifting, and underwriting of workers' compensation, as well as the pitfalls of rebutting an established presumption. To read the 20-page issue analysis, check out the Public Policy tab under Government Affairs on NAMIC.org. And speaking of workers' compensation, a new book by author Don DeCarlo explores the magnitude of the workplace stress problem. Modern-day stress is said to cause accidents, illness, disease, and yes, even death. It incites marital distress, promotes job dissatisfaction, and creates other organizational ills. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamniss talks with DiCarlo about his new book and about how these stressors may result in workers' compensation claims.
2: Joining me today on Insurance Unscripted is Don DiCarlo. Don's the principal of an independent law firm in New York, which focuses on mediation, arbitration, and regulatory insurance counseling. He's also the author of a new book that just came out last month called Workplace Stress, past, present, and future. It's certainly an important topic to discuss as we wrap up what's been a very uncertain year for many, uh, really all. So Don, thanks for joining us
3: today. My my pleasure, Chuck, good speaking to you. Yeah,
2: it's great to talk with you. Um, You know, let's just get to it because I think this is a very timely topic and uh, clearly something we're all experiencing at some level. but there are also insurance applications, and I, I read the excerpt from your book so that I could understand a little more about where you're coming from. But mm-hmm. why don't you just start with like what type of mental stress claims are are you seeing in in the work comp space, and and you know what led you to write a book about it?
3: Okay, uh, this is a follow-up book. I wrote a book about 30 years ago, going back on stress in the workplace when there was a flood of what I call mental mental stress cases. Um, and it, with everything that's going on uh, in the world, you know, we just look at social media, regular media, with the pandemic, with riots, uh, the uh, the economy up and down. Um, it, it was timely. And what um, what it what caused the original book was a new class of mental stress claims or stress claims historically in workers' comp. This is really focused on workers' comp. The uh, claimant couldn't get workers' comp benefits from mental stress unless there was some physical uh, traumatic event related to it. Uh, right. They had really three, three categories of risk, physical, mental, mental, physical, where one side of the other the equation, there was something physical. But what troubled everybody back in 89 and is starting again to erupt in, uh, in 2020, our mental, mental stress cases where the stimulus causing the stress is not physical and the resulting disability is not physical. E- example would be someone with a high-pressure job, um, you know, overworked, uh, harassed in any number of ways, uh, and then bringing in what's going on in the, outside the workplace: the pandemic stresses and uh, social media, the press. Uh, we're seeing a rise in these mental, mental stress cases. And it, in the late 80s, th- they were new. And then all of a sudden, the, as, as we expected, there was a concern there would be a flood of them because there's nothing physical to attach to that claim. And it, it, we tried to, as an industry, insurance industry, um, put some controls in the law, which we did. Things have calmed down over the years. And uh, But now that we've seen uh, a sudden flood of claims again, no surprise. Right.
2: So what's the magnitude of the problem? I mean, clearly this is an environment uh,
3: where a lot of it's going around, um, but what what's it mean to the comp market? Well, I mean, what, I've seen some studies on it, and we, one study says the impact on uh, the U.S. economy is about $100 billion a year. What it does to workers' comp uh, remains to be seen, but, uh, you know, you're talking substantial numbers. Uh, What we saw, you know, in terms of actual examples of it was uh, when we first saw the flood of claims back in the late 70s into the 80s, you'd have a plant closing, and it was one in California with 118 people were let go and 115 people filed workers' comp claims and all receive benefits until they tighten up the law there. And by the way, they've substantially liberalized the law now, along with what they're doing for uh, first responders and post-traumatic stress disorder there.
2: Yeah, I was going to get to that. This has been uh, an important area of of our work this year because uh, that has been the reaction in the pandemic. And I wonder, you know, I'm I'm sure these factors, um, you know, relate Uh,
3: Quite a bit to some of the changes even this year that we've seen in the comp market. All right, for sure. The um, I mean we haven't. I don't know if we've seen all of what's going to come out of the pandemic, but you know we know now that many employers are into the new normal of people working from home. So to some extent, the claims are down as compared to when people had to get in a train or a car and drive to work and be exposed to the normal work uh, environment. Uh, But as people start returning to work, it clearly could be expected that you're gonna see, get back to normal claims frequency again, plus because now we're gonna have the added overlay of the pandemic, you know, people coming back saying, you know, I was okay until I got back to my office and now now I have uh, some neurosis, psychosis or whatever, which I picked up in the office, you know, really related to the aftermath of the pandemic. Right. Post-traumatic stress. Right, exactly.
2: So, you know, what are some of the solutions um, to the to the problem, you know, either by the employer or the employees, um, even uh, work comp writers that, uh, you know, are insuring
3: uh, the companies? Uh I guess uh, Chuck, you can look at it in two ways. I mean, there's solutions both uh, in terms of trying prevention, and then there's solutions in terms of mediating or rehabilitation. And what what I've seen and what what's developing, and you know, the the numbers out there, the press on it is strong. Employers, uh, whose responsibility is for someone having a workers' comp stress claim, is it the employer, or is it the employee? responsible employers and there are a lot of those are are using EAP's employee assistance programs and the results of that are pre- pretty good you know you invest in a, a company that, in, that does employee assistance where if someone is stressed they can call in and get advice on uh, any number of things whether it's the, maybe the drugs they're taking now or bad eating or uh, lack of physical fitness And you get some consulting, and if it's deeper than that, the employee assistance programs uh, go turn it over to professionals where the employee can get some direct help specific to their problem and more in depth. I mean, I looked at some of the big companies out there that reported the effects, cause and effect, and use of EAPs. Firestone uh, says they they saved a million, million seven. Uh, two two thousand 2,350 per person for using an EAP. Uh, General Motors uh, has resulted in a 40% t- decrease in lost time, 60% decrease in sickness and accidents, uh, 50% decline in grievances, saved $3.7 million. And you know, it can go on and on. So that's one, one solution and it's a big one uh, for do- every dollar spent there's a multiples return the other newer uh, version of that and more direct by employees is uh, arranging for or participating in wellness programs which is a, you know a 10 billion dollar industry right now and expected to grow at about 6% a year going forward what that is is it the companies uh, arranging for fitness programs on site or paying for them mm-hmm. Prevented medicine of various types, through seminars or otherwise. And these wellness programs, you know, are pretty comprehensive. Uh, So that would be a second, I think, avenue by the employer. Third would be organizational changes, simple ergonomic changes or more comprehensive changes in what what they're doing in the workplace. And then the last, but not the, the least important of all of this is if you try and figure out who is responsible for stress claims and for, who are stressed to an individual, sometimes it's the employee. The employee, unfortunately, in claims, whether it be workers' comp or uh, liability, you take the claimant as you find them. And there are all these world stresses that you have at home. Uh, it could be death in the family. It could be financial, any num- marital, what have you. Add that to stress in the workplace. And the employee has a lot on their back and they can do things in terms of some of which you get advice on from EAPs and wellness programs like exercises has been proven to be somewhat effective, mediation, yoga. Um, there, there is, there's in my book, I have one group that put together 10 common sense things that you can do to control stress. So those are, those are some of what's going on to try and, Resolve what what we have now, or we expect to have more of
2: it. Well, I think um, having read the excerpt of your book, I look forward to reading the uh, entire um, you know um, treatise because um, the last paragraph discusses the ultimate goal is a balanced life, a time for work, relish, relationships relaxation and fun and the resilience to hold up under pressure and meet life's challenges head-on. Um, given that, you know, this is a subject your book deals with and it's something I think we can all learn about even outside the insurance space uh, and apply in our lives, certainly during the pandemic, um, I recommend the uh, the reading and the, the uh, learning that uh, your book offers. I'd also note that you know, you've got an incredible background, uh, a bio Thanks. that um, is practically unsurpassed, I think, in our industry and in the legal side. Uh, having worked for large companies and large law firms and boutique law firms, I've known you as a, a mutual insurance company director. And you're the founder of uh, Ancomp, which is uh, an organization that uh, we're very pleased to do some work kind of behind the scenes uh, with. And so, Thank you for that association with NAMIC
3: as well, Don. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, that's been a great uh, marriage with uh, NAMIC and AMCOM. We're really pleased with what's going on there. There's a lot to offer yeah. there, you know, in, in the AMCOM world. And by the way, just one add-on before we close, if we're closing, is uh, the book, yeah. the biggest, biggest center point of the book that I would recommend highly to insurance company, claims people especially, and for lawyers, it, and uh, it really is drives the book. We have a the latest research on what states allow workers' comp claims for mental mental stress. It's a majority of them, and they have different tests for that. Uh, and it kind of breaks out the tests and the criteria related. It's a good resource for that.
2: Yeah, I bet it is. Actually, that's one of the questions I uh, thought about asking. So it's, most states now allow this.
3: Yeah, I mean we have 33 states allow mental mental stress cases. Uh, there are other states that are specifically excluded by statute or case law because there's no traumatic injury involved. Uh, right. But with the liberalization of laws for first responders, generally, uh, I'm sure that's going to flip over into those uh, re- resilient, those resistant states and make it easier to file a claim. Well, again, John, thank
2: you for your thought leadership in this area. Uh, the book title is, again,
3: Workplace Stress, Past, Present, and Future.
2: Workplace Stress, Past, Present, and Future. And uh, thanks for the time on our podcast
3: today. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity.
0: Before we wrap up this episode of Insurance Uncovered, we want to give a shout-out to our 2020 platinum and gold-level sponsors. A big thank you to Aon, Re, Grinnell Mutual Reinsurance Company, Guy Carpenter, Holborn, Munich Re and HSB, Mutual Boiler Re, and Swiss Re. Your support means the world to us. And that's it for this episode. We'll be back again in 2021 with more insurance news and interviews. If you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at manic.org. Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. For all of us at Insurance Uncovered, we wish you happy holidays and a safe and happy new year.